Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, this is Zivi Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And speaking of books, I have two of my own books coming out this spring and summer. Princess Charming is a picture book, which debuts on April 19th, and Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature comes out on July 1st, and it is truly a labor of love. I hope you'll pre-order, order, and join me on tour as I go across the country. You can find out more at zibbyowens.com or bookendsmemoir.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens because I always post about everything. Enjoy the show. Kai Harris is the author of What the Fireflies Knew, a novel. I absolutely loved this novel, by the way. This was so good. Kai is a writer and educator from Detroit, Michigan, who uses her voice to uplift the Black community through realistic fiction centered on the Black experience. Her work has appeared in Guernica, Quelly Journal, Long Form, and The Killens Review, amongst others. In addition to fiction, Kai has published poetry, personal essays, and peer-reviewed academic articles on topics related to Black girlhood and womanhood, the slave narrative genre, motherhood, and Black identity. A graduate of Western Michigan University's PhD program, Kai was the recipient of the university's Gwen Frostick Creative Writing Award in Fiction for her short story, While We Live. Kai now lives in the Bay Area with her husband, three daughters, and dog Tabasco, where she is an assistant professor of creative writing at Santa Clara University. Welcome, Kai. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss what the fireflies knew. Thank you. Thank you. So Kai, as you know, when I finished this book, I had to DM you right away. And just, I was sitting there with like my hand over my heart, just like holding your book being like, wow. So anyway, I just had to reach out and I'm 
It was so good. <laughs> it was so, I feel like I just went on such a journey with your characters and it was so emotional and just immersive and beautiful. Anyway, I just loved it. It was so good. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was, it was really cool to, to get that message. So thanks. I, I'm sure, I'm sure you get it a lot or, you know, <laughs> but anyway, for my own two cents. Okay. Well, let's back up a minute. What the Fireflies knew. Please tell listeners what this is about. Yeah. So the book is a coming of age story. It's about a young girl named Kenyatta. Uh, most people call her KB and she's 10 going on 11 years old. And she is sent to Lansing, Michigan to go and stay for the summer with her grandfather, who she doesn't really know. But her mom brings her and her sister there after the death of their father. And they think they're kind of just going for a visit, but they end up staying for the summer. And the book is just the story of that summer of of KB trying to navigate shifting relationships and, you know, the trauma from her father's death. And, you know, her sister is, you know, a a teenager, a new teenager, and KB's trying to navigate the ways that their relationship is shifting. So it's just a lot of learning and figuring out some catching bugs, trying to make friends. And like I said, it's just really the the story of that summer as seen and told through through KB's perspective. I loved how at the end you were like, I didn't lose my sister. I found her because there was so much about that yeah. sister bond. And when one grows up and the how, like you can just feel them sort of like magnets repelling, right? Like, like come together and then they go apart and it's either one or the other. And oh my gosh, like that sisterly story at the heart of this book was, was so powerful and real. Oh my gosh. I know yeah. in the acknowledgments you said, and now I want to hear where this all sort of came from, that this was loosely based on parts of your life and that you did, and I'm so sorry, lose your father, and that you lost your grandfather, which then made me even more sad because I was imagining <laughs> being this grandfather. Tell me about where this book came from. So this book started out as a story that I wrote when I was in my master's program uh, in Nashville, Tennessee. And when I wrote the story, the story was was pretty based on my own experience. I was trying to write a story set in a place that felt really familiar to me. And I decided on Lansing, which is where my grandfather lived. And I visited him sometimes during the summer. My relationship with my grandfather is completely different than, you know, what KB experienced. I visited my grandfather often and we had a, a really great relationship and, you know, so it was different in that way, but the setting was, the setting was true. And in that story, there were just a couple scenes. There's the scene where KB is, uh, learns to catch a firefly. That scene, which is still in the book, was the first scene that I wrote when it was still a story. And then the scene where KB finds a caterpillar and then wants Mia to find caterpillars with her, that was the other scene that was in the story. So the story was pretty much made up of just those two moments. And all of the plot that's in the book right now was not in the story. But after I wrote the story, I had several people saying to me like that they really loved KB and they wanted to hear more um, of her story. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll write a book. And but the first thing that I that I did pretty quickly was I wanted to move it away from my own personal experience. So for the book itself, the, the main thing that is, I guess, autobiographical is, is just the setting. And um, I wanted to keep that setting of, of Lansing, Michigan, where I spent so many summers and KB goes because 
the the setting just means a lot to me. And it was really cool to to develop a character and put her in a place that meant so much to me and then kind of see her fall in love with it and get to know it and that sort of thing. So that's that's pretty much the main thing that I would say is is it stems from my life. The rest of the book ended up becoming really fictional. I do have a sister, but we're we're not really anything like KB and Nia. I've had a lot of people ask me like, oh, is this like you and your sister? Because it was like so realistic, this dynamic. And I think that what happens is it's it's easy to create that dynamic because I, I do know what it's like to have a sibling. And I have a sister. She is older than me, but my sister is, she's less than two years older than me. So we're really close in age. We have a really close relationship. We're still really close. So it's a, it's a bit different, but just like you said, that kind of feeling of no matter what happens, I need to have this relationship with this person because, you know, KB and Nia, they go through everything together. Um, like KB says, they share the same memories. They're, you know, navigating the same traumas and, and all of these things. So I guess I would say that like lots of KB's experience is familiar to me but it's not mine. It's not, it's not my story. I kind of started with a base that was mine and then wanted to create something fictional that would hopefully turn out to be more, more universal. Do you feel like now they're your friends? So like, do you feel like they're like family friends or <laughs> yeah. something? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny because it, it feels like they exist. It feels like they exist somewhere, you know, like KB exists somewhere in the world. And that's a really cool feeling. I I didn't expect to get to know her as much as I did. I I said something one time during an event, and I wondered if I sounded so weird when I said it, but I was saying something about hearing KB's voice or, you know, you know, and and that was the experience that I was having, um, especially in later drafts of the novel as I was continuing to revise. It became really easy for me to read over a part of the novel and then just immediately say, oh, KB wouldn't say that. Or like, that's not her place. Mm-hmm. It's not the way she talks. It's not the way she thinks. So by the end of it, I was so deep into her head. She, yes, she absolutely felt like someone that I, that I knew really well. She feels like that to me too. I mean, you know. Oh, that's great. Who's <laughs> to say, sometimes I say this and I, now I sound really ridiculously crazy, but like, who's to say who, like how things get created in the universe? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, I don't know. Imagination, dreamland, reality. I don't know. There are a lot of unanswered questions. I feel like these characters that come out of these novels, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like my whole room is just like characters <laughs> dancing around like little ghosts, you know? Like, you know, it, it could be. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your, like the use of language in the book, because that's also beautiful. And you obviously made a bunch of decisions on like how to have the dialogue and the narration and all of that. So talk to me about that. So this was a big part of the the project is is the language and KB's voice. And it went through a few different stages. I think when I first started writing, it wasn't as fully like deep in KB's voice as it is now. I think that originally I was a bit nervous and I wasn't sure how it would be received to have the whole story, like first person perspective from this young black girl and everything is through her voice. Everything is just the way that she speaks. And I didn't know how that would come across. One of my really big inspirations when I was writing this book was Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston, which that book, uh, KB actually picks up and reads that at one point in the novel. And I had to read that book because it meant so much to me as I was writing. And, you know, in that novel, 
that that's that's one of the first books that I had ever read that was so immersive in terms of voice and language. And I remember reading it and it was interesting because I could imagine that for some readers, it'd be really hard, like difficult to follow, right? Like, okay, you know, some, and because it wasn't just, it wasn't just grammar or, or whatnot. It was like words that were spelled differently, right? To show the way that they're being spoken. And I really fell in love with that. This, this idea of just like displaying it so authentically as it is. And I wanted to do that. And, and another thing that happened was I had a mentor who had read an early version of the book. And she saw that I was, at the time, I was shying away from like going all in. And so I was like doing these little things to indicate that like, KB says it this way, but that's not the way that it should be said. And my mentor was like, why are you doing that? You don't have to explain yourself. You don't have to explain KB or the way that she speaks. How she speaks is how she speaks and put it on the page like you want it to be. And that really, really changed things for me. And after that point, I just stayed so committed again to just hearing her voice, excuse me, hearing her voice and putting it down on the on the page as it was. Um, and it's a really cool experience because to me, that's like what makes the, the book what it is. It's, you know, I wanted to to create this, what I refer to as this unfiltered Black girlhood experience. And I say unfiltered because we are in the first person. We're present tense. Everything's so immediate. The reader doesn't know much that KB doesn't know. Everything is just the way that she sees it, the way that she experiences it. There's no filter. We're right there and we're just seeing the world through the eyes of this of this character. So yeah, those were some really tough decisions to make because honestly, I didn't know how it would be received. And, you know, that's probably going to be something that I'll continue to think about and worry about even now after the book is is in the world. But I've had enough people say to me such kind and amazing things about Katie's voice specifically that mm-hmm. I think that I think that I made the right choice. <laughs> you totally made the right choice. You know, it's literature, right? It feels like a I, work of literature being so immersive this way. And it was beautiful. It was like, I had, it's like, um, like I was visiting Canada or so, you know, like, it was like, you just have to get used to it on the page for two seconds right. and, then you're, and then you're in it. Then you're in her head, you get the whole right. thing. And, but it makes it all the more powerful. I think I thought it was great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. The Canada, that was not a good analogy at all. <laughs> Forget I even said that. I don't know. Sometimes I say the wrong things, but I think it worked really well from a I literary standpoint. Let saying. me just say that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> there were so many passages that I dog-eared and that I loved. The things about her mom and, you know, what you were saying also about not finding out, like, because as the reader, I didn't know, like, we don't know why her mom is gone. We don't know what happened with her mom and her grandfather. We don't know. And so you have to keep reading and getting the clues and figuring it out. And like, I'm thinking, you know, it's like that show, like, are you smarter than a third grader or something? And I'm like, can I figure this out before she does? You know, I think I had my hunches, yeah. you know, but maybe I, <laughs> right. maybe I was wrong. I'm, I'm so happy you said that because that was what I was hoping for. You know, I mean, because I, I wanted it to be the case that we as adult readers experience what it's like trying to gather information as a child. You know, yes. we don't get anything but the same breadcrumbs that KB gets. Yep. And so, you know, I wanted to kind of really highlight this reality that like our kids are like right there and they're in the middle of these things and they're noticing things and they have questions. And so I wanted to, I wanted to kind of put the reader in that, in 
their shoes to say like my puppy's upset about That's something right. That's okay. um <laughs> but to put the reader in their shoes and say you know okay I don't know exactly what's going on I have this piece of information I have this piece of information maybe this is what's happening and KB's going through that same process as well it's like it's like watching a movie but the whole time the camera's at the height of the child. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like yeah. we're not, we never get like the whole thing, right? We just get this I point agree. of view and then you have to make sense of everything. Absolutely. The, the parts on loss and love and loss and oh my gosh, I mean, especially written as if it was KB's loss and how a child makes sense of loss. Oh my gosh. There was this one thing that granddaddy says, if I could read this like tiny little part, you're welcome. Granddaddy says, cause she says, thank you for a perfect birthday. And he pauses and continues, you know, it's good to talk about the people that's gone Kenyatta. Now I'm positive. He can read my mind. Granddaddy fixes his eyes right on my eyes. I concentrate on the dark spots as he talks to keep from looking away. When we lose someone we love, it's easy to just pretend they was never there to try and make it easier, but it don't work because they was there. And now you got a big old hole where that person used to be. Granddaddy reaches across the table and taps his finger against my shirt right above my heart, then moves his hand toward mine like he gonna grab it, but he don't. You got to fill that hole with the memories, else you might lose them for good. Granddaddy don't say nothing else after that, so neither do I. Oh, <laughs> oh it's so sweet, right? And it's all about... Yeah how she's willing to talk about things and maybe other yeah. people in her life are. And I'm not, you know, I don't want to give anything away and not yeah. that it's, you know, such a plot centric. I mean, it all happens in the beginning, but just that feeling, right. That everybody has. Right. And how do you talk about the person that you lose? Are you afraid to bring them up? You know, will the memories just get lost? What if you right. never talk about them? I don't know. You know, that was uh, another thing I really wanted to explore is just the the way that grief works in this family and just showing that like everyone is dealing with the grief and the loss and the trauma differently. All of them are. And KB is, it's throwing her off that other people don't want to do the same things that she feels like she needs to do to heal, to move forward or to keep moving forward. She's like, well, obviously we need to do this in order to to feel better, in order to keep these memories. But she's very confused because, you know, her older sister or her mom, like she's seeing people deal with this differently. And I think that that's the way that that it goes, you know, at least in my experience and and I'm sure lots of other people's experiences is we all kind of need different things in those in those moments. And, you know, there's no straightforward like, here's what's going to work, you know? And I wanted to show what that looks like for one family in particular, to just see them all grappling with this, but also to really show the ways that they can help each other if they Mm -hmm. let themselves like be open to it. Because, you know, something that's interesting is KB you know, she, at the beginning of the novel, she kind of, she kind of thinks that she's going to just do things the way that everyone wants her to do them. And she's understanding the rules of her family. And she's like, oh, we don't talk about this and we don't show emotions in these ways. And, you know, so she's kind of, she's kind of trying to tell herself that she's going to follow the rules of the family and just kind of, you know, do things the way other people do them. But then she doesn't do that for the whole rest of the novel. She doesn't do that. She does things her way and the way that she needs to do them for her own healing, for her her own journey. But what ends up happening is 
she affects other people through doing that. You know, she shows the people in her life another way to to grieve, another way to navigate. You know, she takes uh, granddaddy's demeanor and she gives him different options and she shows him that, you know, even if you if you've done something that you regret, you can still get back from that. And here's how. And here are the ways that you can still connect, even if it feels scary. And she shows Nia, you know, yeah, maybe it feels easier to run away, but here's what could happen if you stop running away. And here's what could happen if you talk about things and if you give give something to, to people when they need it. So, you know, in that way, KB almost functions as a bit of a, a guide mm-hmm. in her family. And she's the youngest person, but she's, you know, she's shifting away from what, has been handed down to her in terms of like, here's how we deal with things. And she is saying, you know, but that doesn't help me feel better. So I'm going to try a different way. And it ends up impacting everyone. Wow. Well, I love how you handled it. It was really, it's all. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know, another really amazing thing I thought about the book was the role of books in the book and the role of books in KB's life. And you start off by talking about Anne of Green Gables, and that really takes you all the way through to the end. And it like it's like this narrative through line, if you will. And even the way libraries affect her and when she stops in at libraries and how libraries have helped her, how they helped her family when they were, you know, out in between homes and how it helped her when she had that one moment where she had to regroup, if you will, and all the books that helped her and her mother's love of reading and and all of that. And you don't often see young characters in books with such a huge focus on reading. So tell me, tell me about that sort of decision. And I'm assuming I yeah. should assume. And 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 was this how you were as a, as a child? Yeah, your assumptions, right? <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, I I loved books growing up, and I I mean I would I would choose to be at the house reading a book over doing almost anything else when I was a child. Um, and 
you know. I would still choose that, by the way. Yeah. But, yes. Yeah. yeah. And, anyway. and you know, it was it was rough because my sister would be like, come outside. We're doing this amazing thing. Like, why are you in the house? And I'm like, but like, here's what's going on in my book right now. And I don't yes. know that like she understood that, like, for me, those things were happening, too. Mm-hmm. And I was like in those worlds and I was immersed and it was really hard to like put it down and just go do something else. So, yeah, so it, it absolutely is authentic for, for me as well. I wanted KB to have a, a love of books because several things. I mean, first of all, I, I I gave it to her because it was something of mine that was, again, special to me. And I wanted her to have that trait as well. Um, But I think it also explains a lot about her personality, you know, the way that she speaks, the way that she sees the world. It has a lot to do with the ways that she's, you know, she's, she becomes really in, in, I don't want to say, I don't want to say obsessed with this idea, but she's, she's overly concerned with this concept of like a, a perfect family. She, you know, she imagines what things should be like. And she tries to figure out how she can, you know, create that for herself or for her own family. So that's, you know, all a part of it. I loved what I was able to, I loved what I was able to have her think about and experience because of the books that she was reading. It wasn't intentional, actually. When I, when I first started writing, I, I got to that, you know, so I'm in the first chapter and she was reading a book in the backseat of the car as they were driving to Lansing. And I just picked Anne of Green Gables because Anne of Green Gables was my favorite book when I was that age. And I just gave her my favorite book. I wasn't thinking anything about themes or like how this is going to connect to anything else later. I just needed her to have something to read. But as I was writing and she kept reading this book, I, so I still have an old copy of Anne of Green Gables. So I was kind of going back through it. And then I'm realizing like, look at what she's reading right now. How would she think about this? How would this connect to, in her mind, to everything that she's going through? And there were so many connections. And so I was able to, you know, kind of thread that through. But also it was, it it was important for me to show that like, as the novel progresses, she also starts to notice the ways that she's not just like the characters in her books. And, you know, it's important for her when she picks up their eyes are watching God you know, from granddaddy's bookshelf and she starts reading it and she notices things that feel a bit more familiar to her in terms of, you know, the way that the characters speak and um, what the characters look like. And, you know, she notices like, okay, well, obviously this character becomes an adult and, you know, there are things that aren't exactly like my life, but she can also see some reminders of her, her mother. And so I think it's important because just as I was saying that Anna Green Gables was my favorite book growing up, I kind of also had this moment of, of noticing like these are the ways that, that things are different because for a long time I would read these books and I would be like, oh, I wish my life looked like this. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting what I was meaning to myself when I was saying that. But a lot of times it was about whiteness because I imagined that being white would automatically create certain, you know, circumstances in my life. I, I, I loved, I loved the secret garden as well when I was growing up. And I just like imagined that if I was white, I would have had like a castle in a garden. I don't know. I was just like, here's, here's where the issue is. And that's obviously problematic, right? We don't want kids to grow up thinking that there's anything wrong with their lives. We want them to see their lives represented, see themselves represented. So I wanted to show some of that in KB's journey. And, you know, Anna Green Gables is 
always going to be your favorite book. You know, she loves that book and she learns a lot about herself and her circumstances in the world around her through reading that book. But I think it's really cool as she starts to pick up other books and she is able to deepen her understanding of herself and of her family and realize like, oh, yeah, okay. (laughs) My experience is a normal experience. My experience is a valid experience. You know, we're things, things are different for different people and they're still good there. So yeah, you know, that's one of my favorite parts about the book too, is how many other books are in the book. So I'm glad that you asked about that. (laughs) I literally, I just wrote this memoir. It's coming out in July and I referenced so many, thank you. I have so many other books that I mentioned that were so important to me growing up and through my life that I have a whole like book list at the end, like a reading (laughs) list. And originally I wanted to put it on, um, here, I'll just show you. This is so random. I don't even know why I'm doing this. Uh, <laughs> I found this. Uh, this was like my my reading list from school. Oh, and I kept wow. a list of like all my things from 1986. I'm much older than you, I'm sure. So anyway, first oh my, my mom goodness. had to write it and then I wrote it. Isn't that crazy? It's like, wow. anyway, that's really cool that you still have that. I know, you know, my mom saved it and just gave it to me. So it's all a credit to her. But that's yeah, cool. that's, I was, I kind of wanted it to be formatted that way, but that was too hard. But anyway, um, <laughs> but yes, the books that we, that mean a lot really highlight certain periods of time and right. um, bring back the whole thing. So yeah, I absolutely love that in your, in your story. I feel like KB, I would like to find out what happens next summer. Do you think you could maybe do like little short stories for a subsequent summers? I think that would be so neat. And maybe it's like, uh, you know, 10 different summers or, you know, we, I want to watch her grow up. Yeah. You know, I want to see her grow up as well. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, right now I, so I've been still writing a lot and I, I think that what I'm just really interested in right now, I just, I keep being drawn to writing these stories about Black girls and Black women, but at different kinds of stages of life. Mm-hmm. And that's been really interesting to me. Like the, the the book I wrote right after this book is from the perspective of a 15-year-old Black girl who is in high school and navigating a, a situation there. And it's in some ways very different than this book, but in some ways it's still that that experience, there are certainly some, some commonalities. So that's been really cool. And then I've, you know, started writing something that's told from the perspective of a slightly older Black woman who's, you know, young 20s. And it's, you know, I think that eventually I, I really want to write books for children as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that I just, I'm just really immersed in this, this, this viewpoint of, of just wanting to show and tell these stories from the perspectives of Black girls and women and just staying as authentic to their voice and their their viewpoint on the world as, as I possibly can. There's just something really precious about telling those, telling these stories. So, but I, 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 I can imagine that KB might come back around. Right. I, I love her. It's, you know, it's very endearing to me that this is my debut novel. I'm really happy that this is my debut novel because at some point I almost gave up on this particular book. You know, I was, I was trying to find an agent for a long time with this book. And then I found an agent and, you know, things went well from, from there. But before that point, it had been years. And I had said, like, I kept saying out loud, you know, I don't think that this book was meant to 
to, to sell or to, to do anything or to go anywhere and to be on shelves. I think this was just like something that I really needed to write for me. And I thought that because it was so personal, the journey of writing it, the fact that it came from a setting that was so authentic to me and that I, you know, hid little pieces of myself in KB's character. So it felt really personal. And I thought maybe that was it. Maybe that was the point of me writing this. And it was the first time I wrote a, a novel. And I was like, yeah, okay, that's what this was for. Mm-hmm. But, you know, having that not be the case, instead having this be my debut novel is so amazing because it's always, no matter what else I write, no matter what else I do, my this will be my first novel and it's KB's story. And that's so precious to me because I just, I love her so much. It's amazing. I interviewed Phoebe Robinson on this, on the podcast about, you know, her book. And mm-hmm. I was so excited to see what was going to come out of her publishing company. And now, and this is just so exciting. This is great. Did yeah. you have the best time working with her? Oh my gosh. It's, it's been amazing. It's, you know, I keep saying like, it's a dream come true. And I, I can't think of anything better than that cliche because that's just all I keep thinking about. Phoebe's amazing. I, I still, to this moment, every time I am in her presence, I'm fan barely. <laughs> and so I, at this point, it just is what it is. And, you know, everyone has to accept it, but she's just, she's just so dope. I, I, you know, I just can't get over it. And the fact that she started this imprint and then like wanted my book as her first fiction title just really blew my mind. I just believe so much in the vision of the imprint and what she's um, intending to do. Um, the team at Tiny Tiny Reparations it has been amazing. It's been so cool to be able to work with, you know, my, my editor is a Black woman, that was such an amazing experience, you know, feeling like I didn't, I didn't feel like I had to like explain myself in ways that I was expecting to have to. I didn't have to defend choices in ways that I was expecting to have to. And that was such a freeing experience. It's just been, it's just been amazing. You know, Phoebe's amazing. The, the team is amazing. And, you know, I, I hope that I'll, I'll be able to, to work with them again. So great. Well, I hope you're entering all the awards because I feel like it's, uh, <laughs> I'm serious. This is a, it should win something. It's, it's, thank it's you. Great. It's great. Thank you so um, much. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on and thank you for this really memorable read. I'm going to be like recommending it now that I've finished it. Sorry, it's late, but sometimes I can't get to books before they come out. So anyway. absolutely. No, I really appreciate that. And I was so excited to to talk to you today. So thanks for having me. My pleasure. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out, and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zivi Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.